Welcome to the Cornerstone Corner, our weekly message podcast. At Cornerstone, we are enthusiastic about all ages, having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open the Bible and hear God's word for us today. First of all, I want to say good morning and happy New Year's Eve. Happy New Year's. Did you guys get candy? Because it might give you some energy. So... <laughs> Okay, we have candy because we're going to celebrate today. I know there's some of the Cornerstone family that's not here today and uh, safe travels to them coming home. But for those of you that are here, who says that we're not going to have a blast ushering in the new year together right here at Cornerstone Church? Amen? Okay. All right. So at first when Pastor Matt asked me if I could teach this message on New Year's Eve, I think my reaction was something like, um... And the only reason I said that is because I have a very crazy schedule, and I know you probably do too, but this month, December, is like the busiest month of all 12 that I have to struggle through. Um, I have a business to run. Uh, We had three parties at our house within three weeks' time. My daughter is 17. She goes to Penn High School, and she plays basketball, and I was just kind of crazy enough to say, oh, I'll do I'll do all the parties. So the first thing we did, we had 38 girls in our house for a scrapbook party. Huh, I don't scrapbook. That was fun. And um, for those of you that do, blessings. And then the week after that, we had a team dinner. Um, I made six pans of lasagna, 185 pieces of garlic bread, and enough salad to fit in a tub. For real. And who says that boys eat more than girls? They ate it all. So that was a blast. Um, So with my overcommitted schedule, my first thought was, heck no. And then all of a sudden there it was, the nudge, okay? I like to call it the Holy Spirit nudge. It's not like when somebody just like, "Eh," and nudges you and you're like, "Eh." it's like the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He doesn't like whack us over the head with a bat, but it's like that soft nudge. And when when we hear those soft nudges, I think that they should get our attention. So I heard the Holy Spirit say a couple of things. Betsy, you can never be too busy for the opportunity to share the good news of our Lord. Amen? And also, this message is your jam. So I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert. This is a privilege for me to teach because the title of the message is Living on Purpose. And I happen to love living on purpose. All right. The second thing I heard the Holy Spirit say was who better to ring in the new year with than your Cornerstone family? And we're going to be talking about family a little bit more in the message uh, and how we're all related through Jesus. So you're probably thinking right now, I don't really want to be related to that crazy girl up there, but you are. And it's okay. I'm okay. It's, it's good. I'm just a little, I haven't even had coffee, a little hyper. Um, so... I'm excited, guys. We're family, and we get to ring in the new year together this morning. And I think it's so great for all of us to be reminded that as we go into the new year, God has incredible purpose for all of us as we move into it. And I feel like if there is breath in our lungs and Jesus in our midst, how can we go wrong? Amen? Okay, cool. All right, so are you ready and excited to start and get this message going so we can ring in the new year together? All right. I love that. All right. So speaking of ringing in the new year, let's just stop here for a minute. All right. So most of us can't even think about ushering in those final seconds of the new year without thinking of watching that one big show that's on every year. I'll give you a hint. In my day, it was the Dick Clark show. Um, So I'm going to give you a hint. It's New York City. It's called Dick Clark's I always said this different in my practice. 
New Year's, I was, I said it dyslexic, but okay, so it's Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve, okay, so I know my family, we all watch this every single year, whether we're together or not, and then we all text each other, Happy New Year's Eve, with the emojis and the horns, and you know, Jack, you're going to get lots of emojis, and, uh, and it's so much fun, and we, you know, after that gigantic ball drops, and you know, we see the people cheer and the clapping and there's so much anticipation about a, uh, like the year that we're in leaving and then the new year coming, uh, coming forward. Also, by the way, for you young people, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. That show for me was Dick Clark. For y'all, it's Ryan Seacrest. So are you, for you young people, are you getting the show? Okay. Is he up there? Yes, there's Ryan. Okay. So regardless of who you listen to, right? When the bells drop, when the balls drop and the bells ring and the horns blow, I think for each of us, and maybe it's just me, that we have like a long list of the things that we kind of maybe want to forget like in the present year that we've had. And I think that most of us can say we would love to go into the new year with fresh hope and a new perspective and a new excitement. Does anybody, does anybody do that or is that just me? Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> it's almost like when the bell the bell the ball drops and the bells ring and the horns blow, it kind of, to me, feels like the old is gone. Kind of like past failures and disappointments, maybe hopelessness. It's, to me, it's kind of like we get a, like a fresh start and you get a clean slate, right? Yes, you guys are nodding. You're tracking with me. All right. I feel like, I feel like it's so good to, to put like into perspective, thinking about all of the things that we want to be intentional about moving into the new year as we get to be, I don't know, more diligent. Maybe, maybe we want to lose those extra pounds that we've been talking about, read our Bible in a year. My kids always say, oh, I'm going to be nicer to my sibling. Ha! Um, those kinds of things, right? We all, we all say those things. And then we put them on this big, long piece of paper and we call them our what? New Year's resolutions. Does that sound familiar? Well, trust me, my list is a mile long and I feel like it gets longer every year, I have to admit. And I want you to know this is not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. Um, I think most of us are probably more intentional like on this day than any other day of the year, right? Because we get to start over. We get a new perspective, a fresh start. All right, <clears throat> I think it's great and I do this and I'm all about pushing forward and I'm all about like let's Let's make tomorrow better than today. And then the word comes. If. If it would last. You know, here's the problem, right? And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but like we start off great. We start that diet or that exercise program off strong. We calculate how many books we want to read. We ponder all the emotional and spiritual and relational things that we want to work on, the things that we want to add to our resolution list. And then the minute, you guys, the minute it gets hard, you guys are nodding, what do we do? We reason in our minds why we think we should quit right? Like the next day, I'm going to read my Bible. What happens? The phone rings. Somebody needs you from work. Your child is crying. And I think so oftentimes these grand gestures, they just kind of get tossed by the wayside. You know, maybe there's a bump in the road. Maybe you, you've lost your job. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you have, um, you're, you're just encountering a lot of disappointments. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden those grand gestures and that New Year's resolution list 
it just gets overshadowed by those voices that we hear in our head. You're not good enough. God doesn't love you as much as he loves the other person. All of these things start to just ring in our head. I can't get to that goal. Well, guess what? You guys awake? Because today we're not going to think like that anymore. Okay? All right. Because we're going to ring these bells and the ushers are going to give you bells on your way out. We're going to ring those bells this morning, not in hopes that we're going to have a better year, not in hopes that we're going to leave all that stuff behind us, but we are going to ring the bells into the new year, believing and expecting that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength because we have the mind of Christ and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? Okay. Now, here we go. I'm liking this. Okay. All right. Now we have to pray. <laughs> so we've got all that going. Okay. Um, let's just pray that God gives us this morning a fresh fire. Dear Jesus, we just come to you right now. Father, I pray for so much purpose and passion and hope in this room. And we ask that your Holy Spirit, Lord, be so heavy and present among your people. Father, if, if anybody came in with heaviness and disappointments and hurts and things from the previous year, years past, Lord, I pray right now that as, uh, as we bow our heads and we... Um, we come to your feet, that you would indeed change our hearts, change our perspectives. And I pray by the end of this message, everybody here would know how loved they are, how chosen they are, and how intentional you are, Lord Jesus, for them and for their lives. And as Pastor Matt always says, let our hearts be supernaturally sticky as we, uh, we move forward this morning. In your precious name, amen. Okay, we're going to go fast. Buckle up. Okay, so if you have a Bible or you can grab a Bible, turn to 1 Peter 2. And you're welcome to use your smartphone if you would like to. And we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 6 and 9 and 10. All right. So we know that Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. And what Peter is doing in this message, uh, in the scriptures, he's reminding us, as he did so often to his disciples as well, um, is reminding, he's reminding them of their identity. Things were hard. And he was encouraging them, telling them, it's going to be okay. Trust in God. Okay, so <clears throat> with that, that leads us into what we're going to talk about this morning. Living on purpose includes knowing, number one, I am chosen and I was intentional. I heard an amen and I love that. Okay, 1 Peter 2, 4 through 6, uh, the Apostle Paul says, and this is also with a section titled, The Living Stone and a Chosen People. All right, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable uh, to God through Christ Jesus. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame." You see, here we see that Jesus, the resurrected Messiah, the living stone, he was indeed rejected by people. But look at verse four. It says he was rejected by humans, but, and here is what I want us all to grasp, but he was chosen by an almighty God. I love the word chosen. And I think what this is saying to us 
Is those who created who he loves and who he desires to have relationship with you and me? I think that what he is saying, if we're going to look at all the synonyms of what chosen means, he is saying you are selected, you are preferred, you are favored, you are elect. And in capital letters, you are hand-picked by God. And also notice, I love God. He doesn't just stop with you're chosen, right? He's not boring. He's like, you're chosen and you're precious to him. The definition of precious, something or someone who is of greatest value. Notice it doesn't say great. You are of greatest value. You are paid with the highest of price, not just the high price, the highest of price. You are highly esteemed and cherished. And we need to take hope, guys, this morning in the knowledge that, that we can be rejected by men. And it happens all the time, right? But we are chosen by an almighty God. And I think this morning, that's something to celebrate. Amen? Amen. Amen. I say that a lot. <laughs> okay, now skip down to verse nine and 10. Okay, so if that didn't like get you going, all right? Um, some of y'all might be stubborn. I'm gonna let you know how important you are this morning, okay? So verse nine and 10, let's read this. This is one of my favorite verses. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So this is what this is saying when he talks about a chosen generation. And I want you to hear this because when I, when I learned this, it kind of changed things for me. So in the Greek, um, the word chosen means genos. And in this context, the word means kindred, offspring, or family. So basically, it could be translated as you are part of a chosen family. We are part of a chosen family. Peter was not emphasizing God's people as coming from the same time period, but from the same family. Through being chosen, true Christians are grafted into God's family. So again, whether you like it or not, we're related, okay? And you're related to the people next to you. I hope you like them. Um, and okay, so this is, um, this is what verse 9 and 10 is saying. And, and I broke it down, and I want you to really grasp this because this is truly how Jesus sees you and how he looks at you and how precious you are to him. It says you were specially selected, you were preferred, and you were favored. You are of the elect. You, my sweet son or daughter, you were handpicked by an almighty God. You are a royal priesthood, meaning you were set apart for God's use. You are a holy nation, meaning we are a spiritual race. We are in Christ. We share a single spiritual father, God's special and precious possession. We are of the greatest value paid with the highest price. We are highly esteemed and cherished that we may declare his praises. He called you and he called me out of the darkness into the wonderful light, meaning he is our living light that shines over us, around us, above us, within us, everywhere. You see, once we have not received mercy, but now we do receive mercy. We would have received the full penalty for our sinful choices, but he pulled us out of there because he loves us so much, because we're chosen and because we're precious and because you're awesome. 
Isaiah 30, 18 says, therefore the Lord waits expectantly. You know the Lord waits expectantly and he longs to be gracious to you? That blows me away. He just sits there waiting for it. Come on, I just want to be gracious. Open up your arms. Therefore he waits on high to have compassion for you. For the Lord is a God of justice, blessed, happy, and fortunate for all of those who long for him since he will what? Never, ever fail him. And what does Pastor Matt say never means? Never means never. All right. So when we start to go back to our failures, our disappointments, those things that, that just, they didn't feel good, our past sins, feeling like we just don't matter, or we don't match up, or we're not good enough. When we go back to those past days, those past years, we need to stop right there. And we need to remember that verse with everything that we have. God never fails us. He is an intentional God. He chose you, he chose me, and we are family this morning. So pause. We need to pause for one quick second because this next part is very important. I want to stop for just a second because we have to know that being chosen doesn't automatically mean that we are grafted into the family. What has to happen is that we have to choose him back. And that is the gift that he gives us through salvation. And for those of you that maybe don't know that, maybe it's your first time here, it's so easy. The gift that he gives us, all you have to do is say, Jesus, please forgive me for all my sins, all my past disappointments, all my failures, all the things that weren't great. And God, come into my heart so that I can live for you and feel chosen and have an identity forever and ever and ever. And that's it. And you are saved. Second Corinthians says, 517, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old is gone. And that is is awesome. So all that stuff we want to give away, we just give it to God. We, we put it on the altar. It's gone. And we have a new identity in Jesus. And lastly, to wrap up this point uh, this morning, I love this verse, okay? It's one of my favorites, and you guys probably have it memorized. Jer Jeremiah 29, 11. Is it up there? Let's say it together. Can we do that? For I know the plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future. Do you know what I love so much about that? So do you think that the God in all creation that chose you and created you and created me, do you think that he would just create us to just exist and not, not, not have a plan? Heck no. He says, I have chosen you, but I didn't just choose you. I chose you and I have a plan for you. And I think that's such good news. So for my husband, Jack, those of you that know Jack, he passed out candy. Say hi to Jack. Um, so Jack lives for the mortal plan in everything he does. It has to feel right. It has to smell right. It has to be right on paper. Everything in my life has a plan, okay? This is my husband. And I'm kind of a spur of the moment kind of a girl. I'm like, if it's fun, then that's the plan. Anybody go there? Right? I love spontaneity and I think it's great. And I also think that there's a space for spontaneity and I think the Lord is fun and he thinks that's pretty, pretty awesome. But I also wanna say this, I am so, so glad that Jesus had a plan for my eternity. And he has a plan for your eternity. And that plan was the cross. So living on purpose includes knowing you are chosen, and God was intentional. Okay, <clears throat> so now we know there was a plan, and the plan was about being chosen and handpicked, and now what do we do with that plan? 
right? He chose you. He has a plan. But what is that plan? What does it look like? We're going to show you. Point two, living on purpose includes knowing I am destined and I have something to give. Okay. So I just broke down the verse, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, which talks about that there is no mistake that you were chosen. You have value, you have purpose, and you were intentional. And, and what does God ask us to give? What does he ask us to give? Let's go to John 15, 15. You didn't choose me. I, ch- I have chosen and commissioned you to go into the world to do what? Bear fruit. And your fruit will last because whatever you ask of my father for my sake shall be given. So do you know what Jesus asks of you and what he asks of me when we become part of this family that we're grafted into? He says simply bear good fruit. What does that look like? He asks us to follow him, to learn from him, come to church, get involved, be in community. Give yourself 100% to his plan for your life. And when you're doing that, you're bearing good fruit. You know, you might be sitting here today and you might be saying, that sounds great. She's kind of hyper. Woo! Wow. Yeah, it's funny because you know what? We're all real and we all know that life isn't always like that, right? I get it. I get it. And things are hard. And you might be feeling hopeless. But here's the good news, guys. If we have committed our lives to Jesus, we are going to experience those feelings at times. So don't think that, oh my gosh, did I lose Jesus? No, it's normal. We live in this fallen world, it's hard. But let me just tell you, it says in scripture, it says, whatever you have, how big, how small, it doesn't matter to God. It says, give what you have and you will be blessed. And bearing the fruit is trusting in his plan and fearlessly following it each and every day. Here's a story that I love in the Bible. I'm sure a lot of you know it. It's the story about the woman who fearlessly followed the plan. Let's go to 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. So it says, one of the wives of a disciple of the prophets called to Elisha, sir, my husband is dead. You know, he has feared the Lord. Now a creditor has come to take two of my children as slaves. Elisha asked her, well, what should I do for you? Tell me what you have in your house, she answered. I have nothing in the house except a jar of olive oil. Elisha said, borrow many empty containers from all your neighbors, close the door behind you and your children, pour all the oil into those containers, and when one is full, set it aside. So she left him, closed the door with her and her children, and the children kept bringing her container after container. She kept pouring, and when the containers were full, she told her son, bring me another container. He told her, there are no more containers. So the olive oil stopped flowing and she went to the man of God and he said, sell the oil, pay your debt and the rest is for you and your children. Do not be tempted to hold on to things because you cannot see where that next supply will come from. Because see, God's math is not our math. You know, he'll multiply your seed if we trust him. All we have to do is give what we have. God has a plan, even in the waiting period. Be fearless. Be fearless, church. It's not the outward that God looks at, because we talked about that new identity. It's that new life in Christ. It's the things that flow from this new life that are inside of us. This is what God wants us to give, whatever that may be. Give it with all of your heart and know that he still has a plan and a promise. 
And I know it can be rough. Like I know life gets mundane. I, uh, you know, what do we do? We wear this, we wear clothes and then we have to wash them. We go to the grocery store and we buy food and then we have to go again because we eat it. Um, you, if you have little kids, you, they eat and they spill those puffy things all over the, the they used to be called Cheerios, the puff things were all, you young people. Puff things, they eat. Puffs, they fall on the floor. I'm old, it was Cheerios. Um, so they're all over the floor. You just swept them. Guess what you have to do? You gotta sweep them up again in five minutes. It's boring, right? Right? It is. You know, you might go to a job that you're like, ugh, this job is not my jam. Go anyway, as unto the Lord. Whatever we are doing, do it as unto the Lord because that is bearing fruit and that is a good thing for God. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love the part, uh, the final part of Ephesians 2.10, because it says, it emphasizes that God has a plan for each individual and that he has already prepared opportunities for us to use our skills and our abilities because we are all gifted differently. He uses all of us in different ways. And Jesus knew, he knew it wasn't going to be easy, right? That's why he wants us to read our Bible. He wants to disciple us. He wants us to grow and he wants us to encourage one another. And that's what I'm trying to do today. Are you feeling better? Okay, good. Okay. <clears throat> I want to rewind Peter's life for just a second here. Um, you know, the scripture that we emphasized earlier when I said that Peter, you know, he talked with confidence and compassion to the group of people and, and you know, he was telling them it was going to be great and just keep trusting in God. Well, that same Peter, <laughs> I'm going to tell you what, that man couldn't have gone all over the place to preach the good news of God had he not experienced loss and heartbreak and disappointment had he not walked with Jesus and watched him teach and watched him perform uh, miracles like like. He had to press in, right? It wasn't always, it wasn't always that easy for Peter. Do you remember the, uh, the trials that Peter went through? <clears throat> Peter was like you and he was, he was like me. He was a man loved by God. He was chosen by God to do great works for the kingdom. Remember the story though. Remember when Peter was in the boat and he was a fisherman and he'd been fishing all night and he was so frustrated and there were no fish and he saw Jesus over on the lake and he was preaching to some people and he came over with his boat and Jesus said, I need you to throw your net out one more time. And Peter's like, huh, kind of disrespectful, really. <laughs> really, I'm not, I'm not gonna throw my net out to Jesus. He says, you know, he says, I've been fishing all night. He was discouraged, he was defeated. God gets it, right? He said, one more time, Peter, one more time. Out of respect, Peter threw the net out one more time. What happened? The Lord filled the nets to overflowing with fish. You see, God had a plan for Peter. Peter had so, so much to give, but you know what Peter had to do? Peter had to give up what he had. He had to give up his selfish nature, his prideful nature, his stubbornness, and following his plan. He had to follow and trust the plan that God had for his life. And you know what changed that day? What changed for Peter that day was the fact that he knew right then he was chosen and that he had a purpose and that God was an intentional God and that he was seen. And God sees you this morning in that same way. So from that point on, Peter became Peter, the fisher of men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all else and they followed him. Luke 5, 11. He lived fearlessly. 
Jesus' plan for us is to forsake all else that is not of him. He wants us to follow him. He wants us to give up what we have to follow the plan. Do you think that, do you think that the story would have looked a little bit different had Peter not thrown that net out and seen what God had done for him? It might've looked a little different. We might not be reading the book of Peter today. What in your life and what in my life can we do different this morning to make the plan look different? How will our New Year's resolutions this morning, how will they look different? And how will they affect us in the future? And I do wanna say that our decisions not only affect us in the future, but they affect our children, our friends, people that we're around. So we have to bear good fruit. And sometimes we have to wait. That's hard because it doesn't always happen overnight, does it, church? But allow God today to start the change in your life as we move in to a brand new year. And don't feel like just because you're doing the same old things every day, like Peter did, like the woman with the oil, like we all go through the things, just because you're doing the same things, do not think that that is not important work. That is such important work. However big or however small it is, you do it with all your heart and you do it as unto the Lord and you will bear good fruit. Amen? Okay. Are we closing already? In closing, <clears throat> I'm going to share a story of my son. <clears throat> it was a plan that appeared at the time to be a plan gone wrong, okay? This is about my child, Zach, my oldest. Zach always wanted to conquer the world, right? He was that stubborn child in many good ways. He had a mind of his own, right? One determined kid. He was always that born leader. And Zach knew at a very young age, probably like most boys in the room, I want to be a professional athlete. And he did everything he could do. He was in all the sports. He did all the things. He said, I want to, I want to be a professional athlete, and I am going to go to high school and be great, and then I'm going to go to college and get a scholarship, and then I'm going to go on and be a professional, uh, a professional athlete. And so little boys say that, but you know what? Something different with Zach. He had a plan, but he implemented that plan. He implemented that plan all the time, every day. He went to camps. He was in the weight room. He was in the gym. He watched the films. He studied the games. He practiced. He practiced. He practiced. He lived. He ate. He breathed sports. He went on to Penn High School. <clears throat> he played basketball, football, and baseball, and he was really, truly amazing at all of them. He practiced, and he practiced, and he practiced. His junior year, he was all area for baseball, first team all conference, dream team, best batting average in the area, starting safety, most tackles. Everybody knew Zach as the athlete. The plan was on point. His senior year, he had an injury. He had a torn, la uh, torn labrum <clears throat> in, uh, in one of the sports that he was playing. And he stopped and he said, yeah, 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 whoa, 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 this is not part of the plan. He had to go get surgery. No big deal. A little bump in the road, right? We have bumps. We have disappointments. Went and got a surgery. Surgery gone wrong. Doctor did the surgery wrong. Screws, pins, everything in the wrong place. He scraped away all his cartilage. Needless to say, <clears throat> the school that he just signed on to, they're like, what, what next? And he's like, I don't know. That's, I don't have any other plan. That's the plan. Fast forward, second surgery. Specialist came in did the surgery, came out, and he said, I don't know what to tell you. I have three boys, 
And I feel so bad for your son because I'm gonna tell you right now, there's no way he is going to play anything, let alone lift his shoulder above his head. In fact, he's probably gonna need a new shoulder. Can't get one right now because he's still growing. Plans out. Wait, wait, God, that, that's, that's not the plan. And I remember at that very moment, I cried out to God and I had to grab on to Jeremiah. I was like Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that you have for Zach. I know that the plans are for good and not for evil. I know the plans are to give him a future and to give him a hope. Right, God? I went in and told Zach, and he was known as the guard. I went in and I had to tell him the news. And he cried and he sobbed like a baby and he's 6'5 and, and has a size 14 shoe. And he sobbed like a baby. And he said, this can't be. I am Zach, the athlete. That's my identity. That's what I'm known by. I then said, no, you are Zach, the wonderful person. Athletics is what you do, son. It is not who you are and it does not define your identity. Zach had to choose that day if he was going to trust God with a new plan and believe that God's plan was still indeed to bear fruit for his life. You see, even if our plans look different, that doesn't mean we live less fearlessly because God still knows the plan. He created you and he created me and he's got the plan. And Zach's like, well, I, I probably am kind of smart. Like I just did sports and kind of like smoothed, it, smoothed on by. He goes, you know what, mom? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to Purdue. I'm gonna be smart. I'm gonna get a 4.0 and I'm gonna be a construction engineer. Good plan, Zach. That's a good plan. And I am proud to tell you that my son went on to Purdue with a 4.0 he is now married to his beautiful wife, Haley. He has his own business and he says to people all over, this is his testimony. And he goes around and he says, you know, I could have been bitter or I could have been better, but I couldn't be both at the same time. So I had to choose. Do I serve an intentional God? Do I have purpose? Am I destined for greatness? You are, you are. Romans 8.31, we are more than conquerors. This is true for Zach, this is true for me, and this is true for you. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, we pray that you enjoyed the message today. We pray that it was challenging and that the Spirit has stirred something new in you today. Have a blessed week.